Welcome to the Agency X Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Albert, who is the channel director at Dynamic Yield. His background includes working at various digital agencies, SaaS and tech companies, holding various roles, mostly centered around e-commerce. Um, currently works, as I mentioned, at Dynamic Yield, uh, and they help brands quickly deliver and test personalized, optimized, and synchronized digital customer interactions. This episode is sponsored by Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one e-commerce help desk that lets you manage and respond to messages from your site, social, email, and SMS all in one platform. They have built-in automations to handle common queries like order tracking and save your team time and money. Get a free month by clicking the link in the description and elevate your customer experience today. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast. I'm your host, John Sertikowski, founder and CEO at Avix, a New York City-based e-commerce agency for high-growth D2C brands. As always, I'm joined by our e-commerce strategist, David Anzalone. Our goal is to provide some insight into e-commerce, technology, design, and everything in between. Let us know what you think of today's episode and make sure to visit our website, avexdesigns.com. Uh, today, we're going to discuss how and why e-commerce brands should leverage personalization, A-B testing to improve customer experience. Uh, so kind of to kick things off, I'm sure I didn't do you justice with that <laughs> intro. Uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're currently doing at DY, uh, and then we'll get into some of the questions uh, we have around personalization. For sure. Thanks for having me on, John. And it's uh, great to kind of meet you. I know we met on uh, Clubhouse, I think it was, uh, okay, the first yeah. time. Um, and we had a chat. But yeah, um, I'm the channel director here at Dynamic Yield. What that is, is basically partnerships. So lead all of the partnerships in North America, um, yourself included. Um, you, you guys have become one of our best partners very, very quickly. And it's been great to see. So thank you for that. Um, you know, Dynamic Yield, we have also been in the news recently. So if you haven't heard, we were recently acquired by MasterCard. Um, so it's really exciting for us at this time. Um, McDonald's has been a great partner and we love McDonald's still. They will continue to be a client of ours, but um, I think M MasterCard will be a better fit for us as, as an organization um, and for our future growth and long-term plans, etc. Um, so awesome. Yeah, I was... I was always interested in about McDonald's and that acquisition to begin with. MasterCard to me makes sense. It makes it sounds okay. It's financial. There's a, this, and then it was a McDonald's. But then once you explained it, or once I heard why, it made so much sense about personalizations and drive-throughs and uh, uh, leveraging that technology. So it made so much sense. But I'm sure uh, it's going to be a really great uh, merger and acquisition with. Um, with MasterCard, looking forward to how that uh, kind of um, uh, uh, excels things at DY. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny because I, I was working at Coro when McDonald's acquired DY and uh, Charles, who was the previous uh, partner manager, was a good friend of mine. He told me about it and, you know, the jokes, the jokes just come to mind, right? You just start thinking <laughs> burger jokes and all kinds of stuff. And um, I gave it to him pretty good back then. so. You know, now now we're looking forward to all the MasterCard jokes that people can throw at us. So, so far it's been okay. not as bad. <laughs> so I guess that means the acquisition's <laughs> better. But um, yeah. you know that that story is like really interesting because like I tell it to people, and you know a lot of people find it really cool, but some people find it kind of scary as well because they're like, oh my god, they're tracking mm -hmm. this stuff about me or you know doing these things, and it's like, well. 
you know, we're not tracking you like we don't know it's you, John Sertakowski, in your car. We just know you're yeah. a car XYZ, right? But mm-hmm. and I mean, we're tracked everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, Google, if you have a phone, your our phones, you know. <laughs> you have a phone on you. Someone knows you're at McDonald's. Yeah, somebody knows. See, but it makes me paranoid somehow because I don't. I look, I look. McDonald's is great, but I'm 40 years old. I should not be eating McDonald's regularly. Uh, <laughs> but when my son wants French fries and I have to go through the drive-through. I'm grabbing a burger. I'm grabbing something. Because yeah, I don't, for I just, sure. It tastes good. So for I'm going to sure. eat it. Uh, I just don't want anyone to know about it. So <laughs> for sure. Uh, but um, I think. But uh, do you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say D.Y. knows I've been to Mc, how many times I've been to McDonald's. I'm curious to see my profile on that. I'm curious to see mine, too. Actually, I, I was like. I didn't think about this until someone asked recently. It's like, how, how, I wonder how I do look up someone's uh, purchasing history or, or what they're into. But um, I mean, I think it's still a great story that like, uh, a, you know, a fast food chain like McDonald's can be that progressive thinking and leverage, you know, a technology like this to optimize their business. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. They've always been pretty innovative when it comes to like either technology or just how they approach their business, uh, especially if you've ever watched that movie. I think it's uh, the, founder, the founder. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah uh, it's about the history of McDonald's, how it started, about the uh, um, the guy who started it, and it's just interesting because they they're almost like a real estate company. That's what they kind of talk about in the movie is that they they mainly built their business around being almost a real estate company. They're a brand and they sell burgers, but their business is real estate because they own the, the land that they build McDonald's on and they lease it out. And you have to like lease it from, uh, to be a uh, franchisee, you have to lease it from McDonald's. So most of their, their like revenue is from their actual physical real estate. It's pretty interesting. So they've always been a, a bit different. So it, it, after learning more about it, it did make sense of that acquisition. Um, <laughs> but looking forward to what uh, how, how it works for MasterCard as well. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, and it speaks to one of the, the topics, I guess, we wanted to talk about, which is like the past, the present, and future of personalization, right? So like mm-hmm. in the past, personalization was like, welcome John, right, to like a, a website or an email or something, right? And now it's like, it has various definitions depending on who you ask and what their opinion of, of personalization is, right? Mm-hmm. So could be product recommendations, right? It could be, you know, dynamic content. For us, we view all of those things as personalization, right? We look at like all the interaction points that we can in, in, ingest or look at and use that as the basis to drive the experiences that you see, the the content that you engage with, the products that you see, so on and so forth. And I think nowadays, like, you know, you've got a lot more sophisticated brands, like a lot of the, you know, top of Shopify plus um, have matured a lot more. So they are using tools like ours to, you know, really drive Mm -hmm. that extra sort of retention or conversion um, that, you know, when you get to a certain scale, right? Like you've really got to play the min-max game, right? Which is how do you squeeze more out of like the the channels that you have because you can't keep expanding or growing um, in certain areas, yeah. right? Yeah, no, of course. And and uh, specifically personalization and kind of starting with that for these commerce brands, you know, 
I think our audience would, would love to know how that actually helps increase conversions. Like where do they see an ROI with personalization when it comes to uh, on-site on their uh, e-commerce store? Yeah, I mean, we, we see this a lot and I think it's a, it's a really a challenge for, I think, the, not the e-com people, but for the people signing the contracts. Right, because the e-com people, I think, can see the value and the ROI of, hey, if I were to increase conversion, right, by X percent equals this much dollars, right? But when you hand that off to like your finance person, they don't have the same outlook, I think, or understanding of what this contract means, yeah. right? So for us, the way we always view it is like it. Personalization also depends on what your goals are, right? So if you're a brand trying to, you know, increase like your return visitor conversion, right, then you have specific ideas or specific problems that you're trying to solve. And that's great because when you have a defined problem or use case that you're trying to solve for, that's where you know you're going to get specific ROI, mm -hmm. right? If you don't, where you're just kind of mm -hmm. like, hey, broadly, we have a conversion problem. Okay, great. Like, that's great that you acknowledge that, but like, what are the reasons or what are the, the contributing factors for that problem? And then what are your plans to solve them, right? Because yeah. it's not as simple as you buy something like Dynamic Yield, you plug it in, and then your problems, you know, are solved, like, a magic black box it does take some thought and it does take some planning in terms of like what what resources you have what you're capable of and what you know how complex you want it to be right for some folks it could be simple as hey look we just want our facebook ad group people to see facebook similar content versus you know TikTok, right and that could net you you know a positive gain but if you wanted to do like, hey, our VIP loyalty members want to see something much more, you know, personalized or catered to them rather than a, you know, anonymous new visitor, right? There's all, it's like, there's infinite things that you could do. It's a matter of like, which are the ones that are going to impact you the most and get you the most bang for your buck in terms of buying a tool like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll even take it back even a little bit and, and, it's one of the things you mentioned is like improving conversion rate, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have a conversion rate problem, it's usually bad UX or bad customer experience. And yep. likely brands who are going opting in for dynamic yield are interested in it. They've probably solved a lot of those problems already. They probably did a UX audit. They're they're way past optimizing their store just for user experience and customer experience as and they push that as far as they can. Going with Dynamic Yield is going to really optimize that customer experience. And if that is a goal, like even putting conversion rate aside, I think an increase in conversion rate is going to be the byproduct yep. of creating a much better customer experience. And that means a tailored, personalized experience when you go to the website. And that, that seems, that holds true even in like a store. If you go into a store and they know who you are yep. and they greet you, they show you what you want, like, like even using leveraging that technology to eventually be in like a restaurant or something like that, or that that could be a really great experience or going into a retail location. But on site, if you're able to see the products that you, you know you're interested in um, and see the products that are tailored towards you, either based off of who you are or based off of your browsing history, et cetera, your affinity profile, um, much higher chance of a better customer experience, 
improved conversions, and just even brand loyalty, like long-term, like engaging that. And that was kind of the next question that I had. What can brands do now to optimize customer engagement and drive that long-term loyalty, right? So we have a great customer experience, it's personalized, you know, how can we keep that customer increase retention over time and drive drive loyalty? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And I think, you know, the, the cop-out answer is it depends on your product, right, or your brand, right? But mm -hmm. we can take a couple of examples and maybe, you know, elaborate on that. I would say, like, people who have started to do it really well, in my opinion, um, are like skincare and hair care products brands. Because you imagine, you know, let's say, I don't know, five to 10 years ago, there wasn't that many options, right? Like you could buy, you know, certain number of shampoos or conditioners or whatever it might be. And nowadays, like with the rise of, you know, things like Shopify and others, like there are tons of brands out there, right? So you have uh, almost an infinite number of choices today, right? And the reasons people buy, I think now are different than they used to be. Right. It used to be either brand loyalty or I just need this shampoo or whatever. But now you've got these factors that weren't available, I think, um, you know, even five years, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. which is like sustainable, like, you know, ethically produced, um, all of these other things that are yeah. kind of important to people today. Um, and, you know, you've got a lot of brands pushing those envelopes, like trying to build, you know, sustainable businesses, cleaner businesses, all these kind of things. So understanding like, and, and a lot of those brands understand that and lean into that, right? And that's how you kind of, for them, drive the loyalty and the long-term engagement, right? Because you're putting out a product that one meets like the customer's quality standards, but also it's, it's a good product, right? And so in that instance, you don't really have to do a whole lot other than, you know, continually nurture that relationship with them and not, you know, mess up your product line, right? But then when you go to other things, like um, another example would be a friend of mine used to work at um, what was called 5-4, right? Which was like a men's the shipment, right? Like every month they send you a box of clothes and all that stuff, right? Um, mm -hmm. And they had a specific problem as well, which is like a, at a certain month, subscriptions would drop off dramatically. Um, and they saw this with all customers, right? Like I think it was like between month eight and 10, eight and 10, they would see like a dramatic drop off. And so the first part is like understanding, like knowing that this is a problem, right? So then how do you fix it? And they actually did use personalization to, and, and that's how they kind of started to fix that drop off, right? Because they realized one, they weren't tracking what people liked in the boxes and disliked. So they added that where you could thumbs up, thumbs down products, you know, as you get them. And then that helps them now drive the ability to say, okay, this person, Albert, doesn't like these types of products. So let's change his box, right? So that in the long term, he gets more things that he likes, right? And so those are sort of like yeah. simple, easy examples, I guess. Um, I know it's not always yeah. that easy because every e-com brand is, you know, kind of unique in a lot Different. of senses. Um, and, it, and it's like, it's interesting because I'm sure you see this too when you work with partners, right? Like Yotpo, Clavio, et cetera. Like the tools are great, um, but it depends on, you know, what the brand is trying to do right? Or how much effort they put into it, right? Like Yapo, yeah. you can see like very different uh, like loyalty programs across the spectrum using the same tools. 
Um, and I think, you know, part of that is one, like I said, the brands struggle a little bit because of like the amount of technology they have to onboard today, the amount of technology they have to maintain. And then, you know, also mm. building new things, right? Because it's easy to like kind of plug something in and let it run, but it's another thing to build something completely new on top of that. No, there's there's a few great things you said there that I'd like to unpack a little bit. One is definitely that the tools are only as powerful as the person who's using them or the team that's using them and what you end up doing with them. They're not there to solve all your problems. You know, same for sure. Clavio, Yapo, Gorgeous, DY, all of these tools, you know, you have to be able to use them and you have to be able to tailor them to your customers and to your your business's needs. That's you know, that's that's great. Um Additionally, on top of that, like loyalty, when it comes to loyalty programs, one thing I see being more and more popular uh, is are paid loyalty programs um, because you could run like some points and just have a loyalty program, but there's no value there. Yep. More and more brands like REI is doing a really good job with this. They um, have a paid like membership loyalty program where you I think you have to pay like 20 bucks or something but you end up making that back it's like their co-op program mm -hmm. I love that brand I'll I buy from them all the time um, and becoming a member you get into all these different things and I think loyalty is changing and we're going to see a huge shift towards loyalty so I agree with yep. you there that 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 could be a really powerful tool um, to your subscription example that is a really great example for subscription brand brands because their primary business is monthly reoccurring revenue, right? Yep. That's how they're, you know, they're not selling individual products or maybe they are selling individual products, but the bulk of it, 80, 90% is probably subscriptions. Yep. Um, so that makes sense for them to really optimize those. And, and that was a great way to be able to personalize and test that. But looking at like a fashion brand, how does a fashion brand increase, um, loyalty over time when it's not like a reoccurring product like a skincare brand or something yep. and i think that you know we have some brands that we worked with you know one of them is on dy and, and and they have these really massive product drops and we were able to implement some functionality they saw a, a drastic increase in they were already killing it with these product drops and they saw yep. a huge increase <laughs> with some of these pop-ups that we enabled it and they're seeing some really great results um and just being able to you know, once you get to that point is to slightly optimize or get the edge and it could have massive results, but, and it's also going to provide a better customer experience, which leads to that long-term loyalty. So like it just could be tweaking small little things. Um, and even if it's for just like a product drop or one-time thing or a collaboration between, yep. um, uh, uh, two brands or something that you could utilize as personalization tools and AB testing tools to be able to just provide a much better customer experience that leads to that long-term loyalty because you have to stay consistent. Uh, and I think that's what it's all about, providing a consistently great customer experience. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I agree with your point that like loyalty is evolving, right? Because it used to just be get X percent mm -hmm. off by, you know, certain dollar amount, get a coupon, this type of, you know, sort of stuff. Um, what I'm seeing is like a fashion brands, you know, a couple that I've worked with in my past, like, they are trying to find ways to derive value out of other non non monetary things. So an example like mm. would be in your example, like let's say you have to be part of this club to get you know access to these exclusive drops, 
right? And there, you're not really giving them anything like monetarily, but you're allowing them to feel special or to feel, you know, like a VIP or, you know, something different as opposed to somebody who just comes to the website buys, right? And I think mm -hmm. for each brand, that's the, that's the challenge, right? Especially in apparel, which fashion and apparel, which is super competitive. Like, you know, how can you create something that's different for your brand that other brands can't replicate, right? Or if they replicate, we'll have different results. Um, some ideas I've seen in the past that were pretty interesting to me were like um, VIP sort of online shopping sessions, right? For like the top tier mm -hmm. folks mm -hmm. that fall into that group where you have like a specialist or stylist get on with you and your friends. They, they pull, you know, like a rack of clothes and do that kind of thing. You see Amazon starting to adopt this. I think um, in China, this has been very common for the past like five years. Um, other things might be like, special access to designers or, you know, things that like allow the customer to give mm -hmm. feedback on, on the clothes, right. That they normally would have to do through Yapo review or email customer service, like this type of stuff. Right. And I think, you know, you, you can see all the studies now that like people use money as their sort of vote for brands. And when they do vote for your brand, like they feel like there are, uh, entitled to giving you opinions or, you know, thoughts, feedback yeah. on your product, on your brand, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, how do you, how do you find a way to like create that channel for them to do that? Um, you know, obviously social media is one way, but how do you make them feel like they have a direct access line to somebody at your brand that, you know, makes them feel like, Hey, I've, you know, I'm special. I'm, I'm, I'm a VIP of this brand. I've contributed to it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. evolution or growth or product lines, et cetera. Yeah. And there's a, a couple of things um, when it comes to loyalty. I know that there's a platform coming out um, that is going to be for Shopify that helps brands do paid loyalty. Um, it's interesting. I've seen it and I'm excited about it. Um, so that should probably be coming out really soon to help brands do more like paid loyalty programs, mm. very different. It's actually can integrate with these other systems that are out there. It's very different from like what Yapo is doing or what like, uh, you know, some of the other sure. um, loyalty programs that are doing. It's, it really takes it to the next level when it comes to like more like memberships. Uh, two, I, I love the point you made about having brands be able to, or having customers be able to contribute to what's going on in the brand, the evolution of a brand. Um, there's a, a skincare brand, um, I think it's Glossier, who at some point invited or has like this VIP program where customers are on like a Slack channel with yeah. members at Glossier and they, they're able to give feedback. So I think that's really interesting and, and it's a really small way to be able to say, hey, if you want to join this program, whether it's paid or whether it's free, whether you're invited to it, you become a VIP member, you could actually give us feedback. You all have a direct line of communication with the brand. That's brand loyalty too. And then that's like, it's it's win-win for both sides. Yep. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different ways. But you know you can't start there, right? You, you, you have <laughs> yeah. to kind of start somewhere with with For personalization, sure. with loyalty, with you know, and then you scale to that. So um, I guess my next question is: is you know how can brands scale their personalization programs? Um, you know, when it comes to where do they usually start with? Like, what's the baseline with starting with a, a platform like Dynamic Yield? You know what brands are right for it when they first started off? What do they need? And then like where can they go 
from there, both sure. from a, like a people and a process perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's something that we, you know, here at Dynamic Yield, we usually separate into two kind of buckets. One is like, are you a technology fit? The other one is, are you an organizational mm -hmm. fit? Right. The technology fit is usually easy. It's like you're on Shopify, you, you know, you meet these sort of benchmarks or requirements. Cool. You can use dynamic yield. But on the, you know, uh, structure of the org side, like we look at this a little bit differently where, you know, do you have an internal champion? Right. Do you have somebody that's like dedicated to this? Do you have like a dedicated designer, dedicated developer? Like what is what is it like your day to day look like, Mr. or Mrs. Ecom person? Right. Because we want to make sure you're going to be successful. Right. We don't want you to sign this contract, onboard this technology, and then it sits on your shelf. And then a year later, everyone's upset. Nothing happened. Right. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. you know, like um, a good example, I think, is Veronica and myself, actually, because like both of us are in this space now and we've done this for a number of years. We've got great experience. But like when we started, like I myself did not go to school for optimization or, you know, personalization. There's no such thing today. Yeah. Right. And I think what it takes generally is one person in your org that questions a lot of things. Like, why do we do it this way? Like, is this the best way we could do that? Right. And, and that's the person that you kind of need to start this because they're the one that's going to say, hey, we've got this tool now. Like, I always wanted to see what would happen if blank right? Or how would customers have responded if we did this differently? And now that you have the ability, this person will at least have the drive and determination to be like, hey, we've got a new product drop coming, but I want to test, you know, these two different things against each other. And I think that's where it starts, right? Like it could be simple as content, like messaging, you know, how you're presenting things to your customers, right? And once people get familiar with that and understand like, hey, actually with testing, we've learned a lot of things over the past like quarter, then they take those learnings and then they, you know, implement new things, right? And that's like the, the core sort of uh, behavior that you kind of want to see. And from there, generally, those people will continue down that path, you know, uh, assuming that they have the, the bandwidth and the, you know, support of the organization to kind of build their own practice inside of that brand. Right. And, and I think those are the ones that we generally see are most successful or if they don't have all these things like um, this is why Dynamic Yield works with solutions partners like yourself. Like there are great people out there that can help you, you know, either run your practice or kickstart your practice, you know, teach your people like as they're going and really help you, you know, get started with, you know, a, a set of like proven, you know, like campaigns. Uh, setups, etc., and then that gets you, you know, a lot quicker down your, you know, maturity curve than trying to just learn it and do it on your own, right? Um, yeah. And, and there's so much that can be done with the platform that you know you need someone kind of dedicated to it, and you should be at a certain stage. And I, the way I kind of compare it to a little bit is like SEO, mm -hmm. right? SEO is a long game and yep. even much longer game. You know, there's, sure. there's things with DUI that you could implement like right off the bat and start to see a return on investment. But it's still a longer game of learning, testing and, you know, giving it some time before that that ROI is going to come in uh, with SEO. Is, it's a really long term game. Like, you know, you yeah, of for course, sure. you have to start planning for it and you have to have someone dedicated to it. And it should be, you know, same thing with customer experience, with search engine optimization, with personalization, it should almost be like 
across your entire business, you know, on your site, in email, if you have retail locations, even in retail locations, those, all of those things need to be important and someone needs to be in charge of, of each aspect of it. Um, so when we talk about personalization, A-B testing and, and DY, we, we closely aligned it with our GrowthX CRO program. Yep. And we kind of vet customers the same way. You know, we, we, when we talk to merchants, we'll disqualify them from that program because it's it might be a waste of money because you know yep. they're signing on for a quarter or a year or whatever it may be and they're not they might not see results of it right away they might not have the resources internally the people in place to be able to dedicate the time to it and it's just going to be a waste of money so sometimes we'll advise hey maybe we need to shift and just help with some ux things and some right. development and let's grow into the program together um, and when the time is right, maybe it's six months, a year down the road, it makes sense to invest in our GrowthX CRO program and Dynamic Yield, because that together is a much larger investment uh, to be able to grow into it. Uh, and then have different tiers within there that they could then grow and expand upon and get, you know, start to optimize every inch of their website and beyond. Um, and, you know, that's just going to yeah. help them scale over the course of 12, 24, 36 months and beyond. Totally agree. I mean, you know, I, in my agency life as well, like I had the same mentality as, you know, I think that's, um, you know, you want to do what's best for your customer, right? Because when you talk about mm -hmm. long-term engagement and loyalty, like doing the right thing for the customer is what's going to drive that, right? So the concept is not different, right? The setting maybe is different, but like, you know, it's, it's always about like, what is the best thing? What is the right thing to do? Right. Um, you know, Amazon is like a funny kind of thing because like you talk about paid loyalty, you talk about how do you drive long-term engagement? Like they had done this, you know, long time ago, right? Like their yeah. two things were fast, yeah. cheapest, and then best customer service. Like these are the three pillars that they hung their hat on. And they said, if we did this, like we'll never lose customers essentially. Right. And yeah. You know, everyone has a story where Amazon gave them something for free, where they're just like, just don't send it back. And, yeah. and you're just like, this is this is insane. Right. Yeah, they do that all the time. And the, yeah. the thing is, they've with a business like that, you have to make sacrifices if those are going to be your priorities. If you want right. it cheapest, fastest and with the best customer experience, where are they sacrificing things? Well, they're sacrificing their employees because they don't yep. have you know, I knew with their lower level sellers, employees, and you know, there's a like, lot of issues there. <laughs> yeah. And sellers, you know, yeah. and even other brands, like look at some brands that they've just gone in and said, oh, this product category looks good. Let's just do something exactly the same and call it Amazon Basics. And yep. then they basically undercut them. Um, so, you know, they've made sacrifices, but from the beginning, they prioritized customer experience being number one and being faster and, and, and cheaper than everyone else. So they've created, carved out a, a, a place using those three things to be like, well, sellers have no options, you know, and we're so big that we have so many right. jobs open that, you know, people are going to work here and people are going to sell through our business. So yeah. that's going to take a backseat. They have the leverage, right? And that's, that's how they, yeah, they had the operate leverage. their business. Um, and I, but I think, you know, you can still use those uh, concepts, right. And apply it to your brand. Mm -hmm. Right. As long as you do it intelligently, meaning, you know, like you may yep. not be able to compete in those exact same things, but like, what are you strong in? What can you compete in? Right. What are those mm -hmm. things that you can lean into that drive, you know, uh, 
unique value for your brand versus another, right? And I think um, there's yeah. a lot more people that are getting more creative with this. And honestly, like oftentimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you could just go sign up for other people's loyalties and see like what they're offering and what they're giving you and then figure out which ones work for you and at least piece that together to start with, right? A-B testing, yeah. personalization, same thing, right? Like you can go look at some of the other sites. Like a lot of people are getting much better at this today, leveraging like the use of like quizzes, um, you know, like, hey, like tell me about you. Like what are the things you're looking for? And then we'll, you know, give you a product that's either custom designed for you or, you know, we recommend for you, right? Based on the options that you choose. So, you know, trying to find out like more about your customer and then what is important to them, I think is usually like the first step. Yeah, that, that is really important. And I, I, I also don't want to miss on like, look, to have loyal customers too, you know, yeah, one, you have to have a great product. Two, right. you have to have a great community. Like that's extremely sure. important. Something that, that I think is going to be more and more important in the future is developing a community. Um, the more, you know, you can't just do a product drop and have a limited run and have millions of people buy your product until you have a community. So, yep. you know, that comes through content, that comes through social media, that comes through just providing great customer service too. And like just building that loyal following so that when you do have that loyalty program and when you do start collecting data, you'll be able to collect as much as possible and you'll be able to actually have people sign up for it. Uh, so I think it's important, like kind of just, especially for the younger brands who are starting, um, who are just getting some traction, focusing on that community. One brand that does it really well is uh, Midday Squares. They make uh, those chocolate bars, uh, mm. healthier chocolate bars. They're delicious. <laughs> um, the packaging is great. Uh, but like the founders are really great at creating content and community and like looping people in and just like, it just, it feels different. You know, it's like one yep. of those brands that like they got it right when it comes to building community. So if they drop some sort of loyalty program or their subscriptions or whatever they're doing around uh, customer loyalty, I think that um, they'll see a bigger impact because they started with building that community first. So I think that's really important for, um, sure. to, to, for that long term growth. Yeah, for sure. And I think another just to throw another technology tool, like I was speaking to Refersion this week mm -hmm. and you know we were exploring how would we work with refersion and you know like influencers affiliates these are things that most businesses also use today right like to some extent and optimization of that is something that i don't know if a lot of people are doing right it's become kind of like a hey mm -hmm. you sign up you're an affiliate cool here's your link go sell stuff and we give you some money yeah right the thing that we uncovered was like hey we dynamic yield could actually personalize for a lot of like some of the, you know, maybe not all of your influencers, but some of the more key ones, right? Like your top performing ones mm -hmm. or the ones that are most like, closely aligned with your brand. They come to the site, you can actually create one landing page and just personalize that landing page based on the URL they come in rather than having to build individual pages for each, you know, uh, each affiliate or each influencer, yeah. right? Obviously, if you're talking to like a Kylie Jenner or someone like that, you probably want to build them a custom page. But, you know, there's a lot of folks that are going to drive you a lot of business that 
most people may not even know or have heard of, but have, you know, huge followings or, you know, influential um, capabilities to drive your businesses, right? And those folks, you still want to give them a little bit of a personalized feeling of like, hey, you know, I came in via this person. Um, I want to see that person's like Instagram or picture or whatever it is I clicked on. And that helps me show, you know, her products or the, his products that he recommends, et cetera, et cetera. So little tricks like this, like can net you, you know, huge gains, right? Like mm-hmm. it just really depends on like where your business model, you know, where your channels are driving and like which one is your best performing, how's your business is run, et cetera, et cetera. I think the ideas and the possibilities definitely are endless with a tool like ours because you could, you know, test everything um, on the site essentially, but you really want to hone in on what are the things that are going to be impactful and teach you something, right? Like not every AB test is going to mm-hmm. be a good one, but hopefully you structured it in a way that you learn something when you finish that test. Yeah, that's important. And that's also especially about AB testing and learning things and realizing that not everyone is going to be a success and it does take some time that it's not an overnight thing. And that's something that we've had to, you know, there, there's a learning, uh, like a learning session that we have to have with our clients sure. that we speak to about it. And it, it, but once they start to really understand and they do a demo at DY and we give them a demo of our program and how it's involved and they realize that like, wow, this is very different. And this is, this is that next level. So, you know, of course we have the merchants who were, are already doing it maybe with another platform or they're you know they, they're aware of it they have someone sure. who who has been talking about personalization and ab testing and then there's the other merchants who are like it's that missing piece for them where the, it's going to take them to the next level where that's that's the next step uh is starting to get there and um you know th- those are the types of brands that i feel are growing um so like when it comes to e-commerce brands what kind of brands should be looking into it like when's that point where brands should start to be looking of course it's not i'm a d2c brand i just launched you know six <laughs> months ago and i haven't broke a million bucks for the year or i'm struggling to just get it off the ground obviously they're not going to invest in this level of personalization now sure you know, when is the right time to start looking at dy and start exploring advanced a b testing personalization etc yeah i think um my opinion would be when you know when your paid efforts start to hit a wall where, you know, you're, you're, you can't squeeze more ROAS or you can't squeeze more, you know, LTV, whatever it is your metrics are, are based on. When you start to have struggles there, I think that's a good time to start rather than dumping more money into that channel. Think about now, how do mm-hmm. I personalize? How do I retain? What are the things that I can do to, you know, stay, you know, at that budget, but increase the conversion or the revenue attributed to that. All right. Because oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, look, most brands, when you get first get started, you got to get traffic, right? Like that's what, that's how you survive. That's how you grow. And most of the times that's paid advertisements of some form, right? Whether that's a uh, pay-per-click or, you know, Instagram, TikTok, whatever that might be. And that's all great because you need that. You need to grow your business. You need to get money, all these things. But once that, you know, sort of hits a saturation point or diminishing returns, that's when it's time to start looking at something else because, 
you know, you could you squeeze like yeah. a percentage point more? Probably, but you know, how much effort does that take, right? Like, got to shoot all new creative, got to you know do all these things, right? Like, when it gets to that point where you're having these conversations, I feel like it's a good time to start thinking about, you know, how do we now? We, we're big enough now that like we've got a, a sizable amount of you know revenue and traffic coming. How do we now, you know, leverage that and do better with each at bat that we have than rather than try to find more at bats? Yeah, a hundred percent. Or or when Google, Facebook, and Apple release an update or they have some beef <laughs> and it and it, it ruins kills your business. email marketing yeah. <laughs> and ads and ruins your business. So there could be that. Um, but also like, you know, we've seen, you know, lots of brands just dump five, ten, twenty, a hundred thousand dollars a month towards sure. ads. And it's just like that just dumping, 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 dumping tons of money in there, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. Yep. And then, you know, when we're talking about, well, look, you could see a bigger ROI doing this. Sometimes you're right. Like the money people look at it and go, well, I could see if I spend $10,000 a month, I'm going to make this amount of money. Right. But when I see conversion rate optimization, A-B testing, investing in these platforms, it's not that one-to-one -one comparison. It's like exactly. you know, it's comparing apples and bowling balls. Like it's right. not the same. Um, but the return on investment could be much greater and you're gaining loyal customers who you can then, you know, uh, upsell over time, increase retention. It's different. And I, and it just needs to be part of the stack. Like you said, you need to run your TikTok ads and your Facebook ads and whatever you can and SEO that still needs to be there. This is that next piece where you might have hit a wall there or things change or you're looking to get the edge, you wanna grow your business. It's kind of like, this is what ha has to happen now. But I don't think, I think there's ways that you know smaller brands can do A-B testing uh, out of the gate. Sure. It's smart, there's other tools out there that, sure. that are free to do some simple A-B tests um, as well as you know using, even using just Klaviyo for segmentation and personalization uh, or using some on-site tools. Uh, but I think DY is that that big next step. And we've seen it with our merchants um, and we know when to recommend it and when not to, when it's not the perfect fit. Definitely. Um, but it's 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 really when you know brands are looking to make that 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 jump, and uh, so far we've seen really great results with it in such a short time too, because we only started our CRO program Q two of like last year, yeah. Um, and you know the partnership has been great so far, and and our our merchants are seeing you know tremendous results. So yeah. um, really really happy it. that we started to focus on that. You know, and Thank you. To, to tie us <laughs> so back to guys. yeah, to tie it back to Veronica. I mean, she you know she has become really great at this, right? Like when her and I worked yeah. together, she was a PM, you know. But she oh yeah had yeah. she has that mentality of like, why do we do it this way? Like you know, why can't we do this mm -hmm. better? Why can't we you know approach this differently? Yeah. Right. And I think that's the mindset. Yeah, Veronica, she's our. Uh... Yeah, definitely. That is, that is the mindset. She's our she's our director of client services, and she kind of created that. We had our Growth XCRO program before she started, but it wasn't quite there. It was like we didn't. It was like it was our managed services with some right. strategy built into it, but it wasn't wasn't fully baked. Uh, and then she worked with our senior or lead solutions um, uh, strategist and uh, or lead strategist, and they together kind of like she 
like brought a lot of value, really made it her own. Uh, and now it is what it is. And it's it's completely different from a lot of the other programs that we've seen out there. And it's, it's hyper-focused. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a different mindset, different mindset. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, and I uh, I think you know you guys are doing great things. I, I still recall our our clubhouse chat, and it was about you know when I was at agency, how do you how do you structure a program that, you know, is more customer friendly, right? Like, because yeah. you know agencies today, it's it's like give me some money and we'll do some things, and then maybe maybe stuff will be better after, <laughs> like you know maybe maybe not. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, um, I'm super happy to be working with you all. You guys have been doing great. And, you know, we think 2022 is going to be even bigger and better for both of us. Um, and I'm excited, man. Yeah, same here. Same here. And uh, thanks for coming and talking about this today. I think uh, I think our, our listeners will find a lot of value, and especially uh, in the pers- personalization side and why to do it. Um, so there's a, a ton of really great content that we're going to be putting out. We're actually going to have Veronica, our direct, director of client services, talk about CRO. We're going to be doing more podcasts yes. on CRO. And, you know, I'd love to have you on again, Albert, to talk about some, uh, some client successes in the future. Cause I know that we got, we got some of the case studies that we're putting out there and I'm excited to, uh, kind of show the world what we've been working on. I'm, I'm open anytime, John. You just let me know. <laughs> For sure. Thanks so much, Albert. I'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good one. Bye.